Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode, we are going to talk about maps. We're going to talk about the good maps and the bad maps and maybe alternative ways to uh, present and visualize geographic data. And to help me do so, I'm very excited to have Tom Weatherburn and William Davis here with me. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Um, how are you guys doing? Excellent. Great. Um, I'm excited to talk about um, some of the cool work you've done. The projects that caught my eye were these projects you did on subway maps, um, mapping them, uh, no pun intended, mapping them to geographic reality. Um, but before we dive into the, to the work you've been doing, um, I think it'd be great if you could give uh, listeners a little you know, bio, talk about yourselves and, and how you guys got together. So, uh, Tom, why don't, we, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm, I'm a planner, an urban planner by trade. Uh, my background is in uh, geography, and I have a graduate degree in spatial analysis, so sort of statistics and GIS. Um, and, and all along throughout my life, I've been interested in art, so I've been doing graphic design for quite a while. So um, I've been trying to weave those things together, and I, I'm currently working for the government of Ontario as a, as a planner um, and sort of working to bring data viz, the design, and, and sort of the presenting evidence and uh, easily digestible ways uh, into the whole policy conversation around uh, planning the region and that kind of thing. So that's sort of where I come from. That's my background. Great. Uh, William, what about you? Yeah. Uh, so I actually have a very uh, similar background to Tom. Uh, we actually both have the same master's degree. Uh, I've gone a slightly different route. Uh, started off uh, working at the Toronto Star as a data analyst, and I was in like math for their publication. Uh, and then I had this uh, opportunity now at uh, Dow Jones Media Group, which is representing all the other publications uh, along with the Wall Street Journal. And we're just trying to now build a new team to bring more uh, data-driven and uh, data visualization-led stories to the newsroom. Nice. Nice. That's great. So, And then how do you guys know each other? Because, Tom, you're in Toronto. Will, you're in New York City. So how do you guys know each other? Um, so we actually went to the same high school. Uh, Will grew up in Toronto as well. Uh, we, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Uh, our, we both have, or I have a younger brother who's friends with, uh, sort of Will's crowd and some of his friends have older brothers that I hung out with. So, um, we've known each other for quite a while. Um, and then I think it was after we were both finished school and looking to do sort of extracurricular design cartography stuff that we connected over social media and through a mutual friend. Um, and it's, it's been a couple of years now. We've been working together on various projects under uh, a couple of different conceptual sort of organizations. Um, but right now we're, we're MapTO um, and we're, we're working together on stuff. So, so you guys really bring together, like Tom, it sounds like you're, at least your background is a little more on the design side. And Will, your background is a little more on the data viz coding side. So you guys really bring sort of like those two... Uh, elements together into one like neat little Canadian package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, that's really um, cool. Yeah, he has a great eye, and uh, I've just been learning coding just by you know being thrown into it. I never learned it in school, right? In the newsroom, um, but yeah, it's great. That's great. That's great. Well, I want to talk about um, a couple of the projects on on the Map To site. Um, the one I want to start with is um, the one that I saw in May which is the newest TTC map on paper versus reality. And TTC is the Toronto T Transit Commission. So this is the transit map of Toronto. And 
Um, for those who haven't seen uh, this project, what it essentially does is take the Toronto subway map, as you would see it when you're on the train, and it essentially scales it to the geography because the two don't necessarily match up, which is the same thing in D.C. and in New York and in London, all these maps that sort of give us a different view of the geography. So can you guys talk about this project, where it you know, the origin of it and, and, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish with it? Yeah. Um, so I'd actually found uh, Bernie Jenny's map analyst and I was looking for a way to use it. And I knew that the TTC, the Toronto Transit Commission, uh, has just built a new line. So I knew they would be releasing a new map in the near future. And because I had a couple years back created a geographic version of their subway map just out of curiosity. Um, I wanted to uh, do the same thing, but with a bit more analysis behind it. So I actually had written an entire blog post about this map analyst tool. And uh, during the day at work, I actually saw on Reddit, someone posted this uh, geographic version to the diagram version of the Milan subway system, Mm -hmm. uh, transit system. And, um, I just knew that I had, I just went home and I just like recreated it of Toronto because I knew that sort of wrapped the entire uh, discussion together into one visual. Can we start the discussion about maps sort of, I want to get to talk about maps generally, but can we talk about the difference between a map that you use to go on the subway versus the geography? You know, is the, is the subway map distorting reality when we show up that way? Is it useful? I mean, how does this project help people understand sort of, I think it, what it does is help people understand the, the utility of maps in some ways. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. I think, especially in Toronto, which you know has two major lines that extend really far north from downtown and also east and west, um, I think it misleads a lot of people into how long it'll take them to get uptown. So I think it's important that people actually just realize the actual geography of the city, especially if you're not used to traveling there. Um, I'm hoping that just starts the discussion of, you know, what, what does the diagram, what does the diagram do? And uh, is it useful? And uh, is there anything you could do to potentially make that diagram uh, a bit more informative? So um, Tom, from the, from the design eye, from the design perspective, how do you view the difference between a map, a subway map that's, you know, I might argue more sort of utilitarian versus uh, a geographic map, which, you know, is is showing the, you know, accurately showing the geography from a, from a designer's eye. How do you look at those two? Well, I I think I would, I would look at it from two different perspectives. So uh, from a designer's eye, looking at the subway map as a tool, I mean, really that's what it is. It's a, something that people need to read in order to navigate the system. And so a distorted map that's, uh, you know, scaled down and, and cleaned up with just straight lines. When you're on that system, all you care about is getting from one stop to the next. And so that's, I'd say, the most effective way to communicate the information that people need in that scenario. Um, then flipping it to the actual geographic map, I, I find that very interesting, sort of more from my planner side of things. Uh, I think it's fascinating to see how uh, spaced out those stops are in reality um, from a transit service perspective. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting to look at the density of stations in certain neighborhoods and uh, throughout the downtown and then some of the more, uh, we call them the inner suburbs, but the sort of more disparate areas of Toronto are, are far fewer stops and much bigger distances between stops and that kind of thing. So I, I think that both maps serve a purpose. 
um, one being for the user and the other being more sort of for the analyst looking at the looking at the system. Mm-hmm. Now, this map is sort of is visualizing data, but in a fairly specific way. But you also have a number of projects on the on the MapTO website where you look at population densities uh, in and around Toronto and other cities. Some of them are 2D choropleth maps. Some of them are 3D population density maps. So when you think about creating a visualization or visualizing geographic data, is is a map the first place you go, or do you think about other visualization types? And what are the trade-offs you think about when you're creating maps? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think for a lot of the stuff that I'm looking at, the, the sort of spatial distribution is, is really important. So uh, uh, looking at pop, like, so I've done a lot of the mapping that involves using the, the census data. So uh, uh, Government of Canada is a census every year, and they just released new data for 2016. Um, showing population counts and dwelling counts and, and population density. And so we've been having some fun with that. Um, and, and as a planner, I'm really sort of interested in where change is happening or where um, uh, certain things are happening. So certainly that's my rationale sort of for going to the map first. But I, I think that maps become much more powerful when they're, when they're paired up with, with other uh, visualization techniques. So... I mean, everyone loves a, a good bar chart, but when you start to aggregate the data into uh, neighborhoods or areas that people, you know, the, the other great thing about maps is that they, ha- they have all this, this sort of contextual information embedded in them that people just know. Like, if you're familiar with the city, you're looking at a map, you look at a neighborhood, and you may not have realized that the density was so high in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. but you do have all this other contextual information that you're drawing on just from living in the city. So I think maps are really powerful when you draw on the that kind of latent information that just exists in people's minds. Um, but in terms of design, no, I think that uh, depending on what you're trying to get across, you know, often people are just most interested in what are the most dense areas in the city or where has change occurred to the highest magnitude. And in those cases, I think it's much more effective to use like a, a bar chart or um, some other form of visualization that just shows ranking in a much mm-hmm. clearer way. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, I mean, it really depends on what the objective of the visualization is. Um, A lot of the stuff we do is sort of exploratory more so. Like, it's, I see it as facilitating access to the data in some ways. So, I don't, I don't necessarily know what somebody has in mind when they, or what they're looking for when they look at the the maps we make, but I, I like the idea of facilitating their access to that data. Yeah, I think that that's right on. I think people are they like maps because they're familiar with you know they can find their their neighborhood or their state or their province on the map. But at the same token, the maps may distort the data because the geographies don't scale. Um, or you know, in Canada, for example, like doesn't some like huge proportion of people lives along the border, um, and so like a map of Canada may not be that particularly useful. Um, the uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about was the the tools that you use to create this um, because I think you're using WebGL to do the distortions and I'd love to uh, uh, hear more about how you actually came up to create this. Yeah, so for the uh, distortion maps, uh, like I said, I use that map analyst tool, but then to create the animation between the geographic and the diagram version, I used uh, D3Tween. I created really smooth animation. But fortunately, I'd done this, and I'm pretty sure the majority of all these transit map uh, animations were made before uh, this thing came out just recently called Flubber, which is made by Noah Belton. And that uh, has made it super easy to uh, transform SVG lines. 
So, so let me ask you this, because you said you had sort of recently or within the last couple of years learned D3. So did you find this a hard library to, to implement? Uh, no, no, not at all. The, uh, the GitHub's really straightforward, and you don't even ha- actually have to use D3. Use different coding libraries as well. Hmm. Great. Great. Um, can, we, uh, can we talk about some of the other projects you guys have on the site? So there's a lot of stuff on here. Um, they are obviously dealing with geographic data, but you know, do you have another one that's your that's a that's a favorite? Will you wanted to talk about the the Raptors map? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, when I was in between moving from Toronto to New York and waiting for my visa to come through, uh, I had just recently learned how to uh, use the MPA Shot API, um, and I was also trying to learn how to use Mapbox GL. So I decided to create like a, a 3D view of every Vince Carter shot uh, throughout his history as a Raptor. Um, and that was a lot of fun learning how to program with Mapbox GL, and I thought it came out looking great out of that project. Well, what's interesting is that you're, you're doing this 3D uh, visualization of basketball shots. You're using a mapping tool. Do you think people forget that they can take tools and apply them to other visualization types? Yeah, I think that's one thing that I realized. Mapping really just need an X and a Y. So if you think of any other data set that just has an X and a Y, you can apply any of these spatial tools to those. You know, if you, you know, at where they landed on target, you know, those are all X and Y coordinates on a target so that you could apply any sort of spatial analysis, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that applies with, like, NBA shot charts as well. And, uh, all sorts of sports analysis. Yeah, because you basically, you essentially have a latitude and longitude for all the shots or the hits or the tackles in football. It's a mapping task. Yeah. Um, Tom, what about you? Do you have a favorite, you have a favorite project? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a few. I think that um, a lot of the stuff that we've done with the census data is really interesting. It's, it's cool to show sort of change in housing units, change in population, the sort of dynamics of the city. Um, but I, I think one of, my, one of my favorite projects that we've done um, it was a map of all the parks in Toronto uh, within about a 500 meter buffer of, of the subway station. So I think a theme that runs through a lot of our work is trying to sort of highlight these connections and help people, you know, navigate the city in a, in a fun or, or interesting way. Um, and so we, we basically just took the, the subway data, the same stuff that William used for the distortion map. Um, and then the city of Toronto is really great with open data. So they release a lot of stuff. Um, and so they released the parks layer for the city. And so we just grabbed all the parks that were in walking distance of the subway station um, and then I'd map that. It was, a, it was a very simple map. It was just a quick GIS uh, selection. And then we designed the map in Illustrator. Um, you know, no coding, nothing uh, too fancy in terms of technology. Um, but it was one of the maps that we made that actually uh, circulated the most of, of our projects. Uh, I just, because I think it was so useful. People really like to see um, see how, how they can access the park system in the city. Mm. Um, and, and that was coupled, like I was mentioning before, coupled with a, an, a bar chart showing the total park land uh, per station um, for the whole city. So regardless of where you were in the city, you can see how easy it is to access a whole wealth of, of park land throughout the city. Um, so that, that's definitely one of my favorite projects. Um, we also did some mapping for an organization called Friends of the Pan Am Path. It's an organization that um, a couple of years ago, the Pan Am Games were in Toronto, um, and, and they pulled together some funding 
to create uh, connect up all the all the trails in the city of Toronto and a big sort of path that connects various suburbs to downtown through the river valleys um, and, and across the, the trail system downtown. And so we were kind of their map guys on that, and we we produced a Pan Am path map that again nothing complicated or fancy about the technology. A lot of it was just straight design work, um, but it's I think a very useful and interesting map of the city that sort of shows people how easy it is to access the, the ravine systems and the park systems and, and a lot of the sort of cultural facilities that are that are located across the city. So it's kind of a, a fun city building sort of thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. What? Let me ask you this. Um, you guys both have full-time jobs. Um, you're both from Toronto, but living in different places. And you've gotten together to create these visualizations using data from your hometown. So can you talk about, I guess, the motivation or how, let me even ask how other people can think about doing similar sorts of projects for their city, for their neighborhood. You know, what, what is the thing that drives you to keep doing this as a, as a, you know, a thing on top of your regular full-time job? Yeah, I, uh, I feel like it's just something I'm passionate about and I've been interested in for a long time. Uh, just the idea of finding like a new open data set just gets me excited to try and uh, learn a new tool or design something new. Um, so I think someone can recreate that for any city or place that they're interested in, whether you're interested in transit or urban planning or, uh, you know, local sports team. Um, just having passion for wanting to tell a story with the data, I think. Uh, and then, you know, finding sources of inspiration and, you know, you'll find something. You'll, you'll want to go and create something. Now you let me ask let me also ask this. So you guys have done a lot of very cool projects. Do you ever get worried that you're gonna put something out there that people are gonna hate and I mean they're gonna rip you apart? Like we live in a pretty like rip you apart uh <laughs> culture these days. So do you ever do you ever worry about that or you're just like, you know what, we're we're interested in this thing, we're gonna make it and you know, it's it, this is a, a passion, this is a hobby, this is a passion project. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, I think that is definitely something we worry about. Uh, mm. we, you know, we've had instances where we've released a map and we've mislabeled something, or uh, there was a typo, or something trivial in my mind uh, right. that certainly wasn't trivial to hordes of people on the internet. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely constantly a concern. Um, my perspective on that is you have to love the haters because they, they provide you a valuable service. When you put something on the internet... You're going to get stuff that you don't care about. You're going to get people that just are grumpy and don't uh, want to say anything constructive. But uh, I find you also have a lot of people who, whether they're nice about it or not, provide very constructive feedback. And so I think separating um, your sort of anxiety about you know people disapproving of what you're doing from and, and pulling out those strands of actual constructive criticism that are, are very productive uh, is huge. And I, so I, I, I kind of actually see value in and just putting things out there, you know, having that, that attitude that you can't take it personally. You just have to pull out the nuggets of real good feedback. Right. Will, what about you? Do you ever, do you ever have this uh, moment of fear that you've, you know, put something out that uh, everybody's going to hate and Mike, Mike Bostock's going to start yelling at you for doing something wrong? <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, when, I, when we publish something at work, every time it goes out, I'm, I, I just get so much anxiety because... Yeah. People are ruthless online and are, you know, they're important because it does show 
how much you care about the work that you're doing and how much can they trust the data if they're seeing spelling mistakes in your work as well. So they do have a valid point. But yeah, like Tom said, you, it is constructive criticism for the most part. And it's definitely giving me thicker skin. And uh, I think it is important. And um, yeah, you just, ha- you just have to keep moving on. And uh, especially with data vision, people are trying to create new ways of showing things. Like it's important for people to test the boundaries or to, uh, you know, create pie charts that are different and people are just going to hate on them. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, um, well, they're great. They're great projects. Um, I really enjoyed uh, scrolling through them and and learning some things about uh, Vince Carter in Toronto that I didn't know before. So, um, uh, so thanks for coming on the show and uh, thanks for doing all this work. And I, and I wish you guys the the best of luck as, uh, uh, as you keep uh, working together. Thanks so much. Thank Thank you very much, John. Really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a little bit something about maps and Toronto. Um, I will put all the links to all these great projects from Tom and Will on the show notes page. Uh, and be sure especially to check out their Metro map. Um, it's really quite cool um, and informative. And if you are into coding and want to create one of those maps, they also wrote up basically a tutorial on how to do it. So uh, super helpful. So um, I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Please feel free to connect on Twitter or on the show notes page. Um, And please rate and review the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so that others can learn about it. So until next time, this has been the Policy This Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.